Is LA Donut Town? LA is so a donut town. The donuts are the basic breakfast of a lot of Los Angeles. I mean, the way that you would think of like an egg and cheese in New York, uh, you would think of a donut here. And donuts, for some reason, embrace the idea of automobile culture almost more than any other sugary pastry you could name. Veggie veggie YouTube, veggie veggie YouTube, veggie veggie YouTube. It, you know, it occurs to me. I, I started doing that bit, which was, uh, as all eagle-eyed listeners probably noticed, a uh, a fun weird Al-esque parody of the song "Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit" from Kitchen Cabaret. Only it's veggie veggie YouTube because uh, I didn't yeah, have a bit and had to kind of scramble. One. And because I'm me, the first thing that came to mind was Kitchen Cabaret, an yeah, Epcot show that closed 30 years ago. Hi, everybody. <laughs> this is I think you'd be into it. The podcast about your problematic faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. And joining us today to talk about uh, food tasting YouTube, uh, you know her from the Kicking and Screaming podcast, the El Rey Network, uh, Fandom Tabletop, and all all over the internet, um, Vanessa Guerrero. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. How's it? How's it going? Uh, pretty great thus far. Uh, just made a banging sandwich before this episode and I realized I had some time. Ooh, what kind of sando are we talking here? Um, I'm sure like someone's made a version of it before. It's kind of like a Monte Cristo. Um, but basically I take a ham and cheese sandwich. I had some brioche on hand, so I use that. And then I do like the mix that you would make make for French toast, but savory. Um, so okay. like I do like the egg and milk mixture, but I use like turmeric and garlic and onion and parsley and like other shit that's like savory. Um, and then I dip the whole sandwich in it and fry it. So it's like a, it's like a French toast ham and cheese. That sounds like it fucks so hard. <laughs> it's so good. It's amazing. Could not have come on this particular episode hungry and yet here i am right yep. <laughs> making choices every time i've made it somebody does like the like uh risky business like slide down the hallway because <laughs> they like smell it's familiar and i only do it when i'm like in a good mood i have all this stuff and i'm like you know i'll be i'll be like extra fancy today so it's 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 one that i love doing when i have time sure that uh, that rules um, I think the last the last like big sandwich discovery I made was a couple months into quarantine. I got real high and started making a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which I then took. I covered half of one of the slices of bread with crumbled up potato chips, but then I took the other half and covered it with a bunch of extra flaming hot Cheetos. <gasps> Um, and I only put the chips there because I was worried the flaming Hot Cheetos would be too hot and I maybe would need something to cut it. Turns out that was the perfect ratio of, like, spicy to sweet to cold to savory. And, uh, that sandwich fucked real hard and it inspired a friend of mine to also make one. And they were like, yeah, this, this actually whips, though. 
that yeah. sounds amazing. Oh, why I didn't hear about this. I, I, I think I showed you this. I, I think I made it in front of you and you're like, ew. No. You'd be supportive of the sandwich? I mean, I just don't remember this sandwich. That's fair. It was <laughs> it was like a year ago, early in quarantine, when we were all like That could be it. Kind of in like fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. Time has no meaning. Uh, but speaking of things that fuck, uh, let's talk about some things we're into this week, shall we? Does anybody have something? Yeah, actually. Ooh, hell yeah. Go for it. So there's a movie I saw a while back that's finally going to be like in some way streamable somewhere. And I've been like amping up to see it again. And in that process, like re in love with everything that inspired it. Um, it's called We're All Going to the World's Fair. And uh, it's basically a horror movie about a teenager that's like really into like, you know, like creepypastas and blue whale games and like is closer to like a teenager of like our generation than I think I've ever like seen a teen in horror movies because like sure. she has the internet and uh, a phone. So, like, and, if, and so like she's the, the movie is going to be streaming again like May 1st because it hadn't been picked up for distro yet. But because of it. I started going backwards and like looking into that kind of stuff that I was into when I was a teen. And so there's a thing called SCP Foundation that's basically like a Wikipedia meets X-Files where a bunch of people would go on and create their own like terrifying monsters. But instead of saying what it was, they would write it like it was like a foundation's redacted case files for an incident. I just wound up on that website for the first time like three days ago and Yay! was like, what is happening here? This there's there's like I'm trying to find the the place where it breaks kayfabe and tells me what this is. Yeah, it's a little trickier to find it. I will say in its heyday, like uh, a lot of stuff as it isn't like quite to where like it was in its heyday because it also had like zero explanation that it does now. Like it had no like cafe breaking but also it was like a little bit easier to find some of the original creations that made it so popular sure um but it's still fantastic and like i i know some places are looking into like making it like a hardcover and some places are even considering offering it for like as a movie but when i was a kid it just felt like that it felt like scary woods porn it felt like stumbling on something that someone left for you and you're like this is mine now yes absolutely that that is such an important feeling when you're a kid. Um, that was the exact feeling I had when I discovered like the Conan show. Oh, like it was like this weird middle of the night thing that no one's really heard about, but like is exactly what I would want to see on TV and like speaks to me in a way that's like so important, especially if you're like a creative teenager. Absolutely. That's I, I the other day I read a uh, short story that. Uh, started there and was then sort of extrapolated to something else. I'm, I'm trying to find a, a link to it in my Twitter right now. But the the conceit was that it was a uh, a fake Wikipedia page for the first, like, scan of a human brain that you could boot up as, like, an artificial intelligence. Uh-huh. Um, and just, like, all, about all of the, like, casually horrific... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, details that would come out of that. Like, it, it boots up and it's just like this guy and he's like in a good mood and wants to help you. But like, you have to tell him, oh, it's the year 
2033 because if you tell him any earlier he'll get weird and if you tell him any later he'll have like an existential panic about it um it's really really fascinating oh that's one i definitely want to look up i don't recall reading it but it's like it's on the list of like similar to like creepy pastas where it'll be like a lost episode or something that you're like i could see someone burying this yes absolutely absolutely but that yeah that that's rad that that rules i'm I'm glad you're i'm glad you're back on that thank y'all so mine uh the thing i'm into this week is uh the (laughs) old basketball player bill walton that's right bill walton i am not really a a basketballman i i i've i've gone to i went to dozens of basketball games when i was growing up because my my dad had season tickets uh, for the Hornets, and then we were, like, minor part owners of the Charlotte Bobcats before they morphed back into the Hornets. Um, so, like, I grew up going to basketball games, but I don't have, like, a ton of, uh, you know, ex- experience or knowledge of the people. But over the years, I had discovered that back in the 70s, there was this guy named Bill Walton who's, like, nine feet tall and sounds like a fucking great dane um and he was a he's a he was a basketball player but primarily why i'm interested in him is he is perhaps the world's biggest grateful dead fan yeah for sure no way yeah like he's seen the dead i think like 800 times um and is just this like weird outsized figure that like just sort of comes along with dead stuff every every so often like they'll have him play father time on new year's eve with like a big (laughs) beard and some robes or like they kept when they were doing some of their like 50th anniversary concerts they kept cutting to him in the audience uh just like having the time of his life just like arms out just like yes um but also because he's seven feet tall he you can just clock him in a crowd amazing <laughs> and so it was easy it was easy for the uh cameraman to go back to him actually i spotted him at a fish show here in la once for exactly <laughs> that reason i'm like huh i wonder if bill walton's here and then i look down just to try to find and he's very tall and there he is yeah just to find the tallest person on the floor and there he was but the, the thing i've i've recently been enjoying about uh, bill walton aside from his uh amazing dead fandom like if you go on youtube and just search like bill walton talking mm-hmm. about the grateful dead there'll just be there's just endless stories where he's like i brought the entire celtics to come see the dead and they were <sighs> they played a fort a 15 minute morning do and it it blew larry bird's mind <laughs> um but there are some great great compilations on youtube if you just search like bill walton funny um you can find he, he is also a, a commentator now um, and his his primary goal when he's doing commentary seems to be ignoring the game at all costs. Yeah. And like bothering his co-anchor with like, hey, here's a glockenspiel I just have. All right, go ahead. Now, now we have a break in the action. People can see that you're actually playing the glockenspiel. This is called a glockenspiel, okay? Made famous the German name. You broke it. No, I didn't break it. It comes apart like that. That's how you transport it. So you can, please, don't you know anything about glockenspiels? This is, this is, what's your name? Isaac Lee. Isaac Lee, yeah, you're a student here, right, Isaac? All right, you're a big bear fan, too. Hey, show us your hat. Put the hat down a little bit. Oh, now that's a cool, that's not a bear. That's a beaver. That's a beaver. 
It's a bear, Bill. The it's Cal bear. Bears. The Bears. It's a little tiny bear. All right, can we stop interviewing the Glockenspiel guy and focus on the game, please? Or here's some dirt I have in a cup that I'm going to rub on my body and show you how to clean yourself with some dirt. Or uh, here's a big uh, weird stick I found that I want you to have. He's just like a dog. He just wants to show you what he found. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he just wants to show you the cool thing he found, tell you how excited he is, he is about the Grateful Dead, and, like, make a bunch of, like, really obtuse Grateful Dead jokes and references during uh, basketball commentary that his other, like, commentators have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Gentle Jack Jones, won't you let me into the key? And it's just like, everyone's just like, What? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's mine. Bill, Bill Walton. <laughs> oh, he also has, he has a show on, uh, the Grateful Dead Sirius XM channel. Really? Yeah. He's had it for a long time. Like I, I heard it for the first time, probably in maybe high school or early college where he just plays like hours of Grateful Dead and then tells long winding stories about Jerry and wavy gravy and his weird exploits uh, and, and the first time I heard it, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Uh, he's amazing and weird and hilarious, but like, wh- wh- who? Oh, he's a basketball legend. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just, I love people that are weirdly contradictory like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that Bill, Bill Walton, just go on YouTube, search Bill Walton and have yourself a time. Uh, Beth, what about you? What are you into this week? Um, well, I'm not into it this week, but I do want to mention, because we weren't recording episodes when it was uh, happening, but man, I was a big fan of Big Boat Real Stuck. Big Boat Real Stuck. Oh, uh, Big Boat Gets <laughs> Stuck. Oh, Big Boat Gets Stuck was so good. Big Boat Real Stuck really just made me very happy. Um, <laughs> the idea that just Big Boat Real Stuck was setting us back, you know, 184 years in infrastructure and people were just going around the Horn of Africa just like really yeah. did something beautiful for my soul. Uh, oh, yeah. So it's a little, it's a little uh, uh, old at this point, but uh, I, I just, I really never got to talk about it on the show, and I just wanted to mention I really enjoyed Big Boat Real Stuck. I loved Big Boat Real Stuck, and I feel like I like got onto it like a little bit too late because initially I was just like I understand nothing of like boats and what they carry, so like it wasn't interesting to me for like a day, and then as soon as I like realized what the implications were. We were like closer to the middle of it to where everybody was like not holding the same enthusiasm that I had for Big Boat Real Stuck. Mm. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I was very excited. I, I got a, uh, I don't normally buy, um, I'm not normally the kind of person that's like, let me buy a weird meme shirt. But um, I for sure did buy a weird meme shirt about this. I do have a spring break 2021 Suez Canal uh, shirt that I Holy shit. Fantastic. Fan huge fan of so that's i mean i'm just gonna go with big boat real stuck is what i'm into hell yeah i i i was a big fan of 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 big boat real stuck um i was more of a fan of fuego and wingsuit real stuck but big, big boat real stuck is pretty good uh and we used petrichor real stuck in our wedding which was which was a nice a nice big boat <laughs> get stuck memory it's the name of a fish album for anybody who hasn't caught on to what he's talking about i mean you We're can always just assume boat. it's a fish joke like the yeah. ones our forefathers say. You can just assume it's a fish joke like 90% of the time. But yeah, there is in fact a fish album called Big Boat. Yep. But it's not called Big Boat Real Stuck. No, it's just called Big Boat. And I laughed my ass off when I found out that Fish was releasing an album called Big Boat. 
<laughs> like something like it's so dumb, but also so perfect. Only this year have I like started to learn anything about fish, and it's been through my husband, and it's been through my husband through uh, Harris Whittles talking about fish. Oh, through Harris, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the thing is, he doesn't even like. I don't know if he's like ever listened to a fish song, but he loves talking about Harris Whittles talking about fish. If he's listened to two Harris Whittles podcasts about fish, he's heard a fish song. Okay, then he's definitely heard a fish song. Yeah, the thing that the thing that will always that that is that analyze fish is one of my favorite podcasts ever, and and Harris Whittles was like a like a genuine hero of mine. Um, yeah. Uh, until he un- unfortunately passed. Um, and like the thing I love about Analyze Fish that drives actual fish fans up the fucking uh, big wall get stuck is uh, <laughs> that Harris was so bad at it. Harris did about the worst job you could possibly do trying to show someone what is cool and interesting about fish. <laughs> And like he used to, po- there's a fish message board that I post on that he used to post on every so often. And whenever a new analyzed fish would drop, it would the thread would just be full of people going, "Oh my God, Harris, what are you doing, Harris? No, 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 don't, don't do, don't start that way, no." <laughs> but but I do think that that podcast has gone a long way in, in towards exposing a lot of people to fish that wouldn't have yeah. heard them otherwise. Like like a, a friend of. My- the friend of mine that did our fish episode was not a fish fan until Analyze Fish and then until after Harris. Really? Yeah, he, he was an Analyze Fish fan, but he didn't actually start listening to fish until after Harris passed. Mm-hmm. And it started as kind of like a, oh, I'm just going to do this as a tribute to this this guy that I looked up to. And then it became, oh, shit, this is actually really good. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, right? Oh, right? who knows? Maybe I might be a fish person after this. No. <laughs> The speed of Beth's now. I trust you, Beth. Yep. It's, we're coming up on what, 14 years, 14 years of this? 13, 14? 13 and a half, yeah. And and Fish has been touring for 12 of them. My God. So, oh yeah, she's come with me to what, 13, 14 of them? I don't know. You're really big on keeping track of them. I'm not. Oh yeah, I have all my stats uh, logged on a website. See, this feels like me as a Mars Volta fan, uh, try, beg, when they were a thing at the time, begging anybody to like enjoy them with me, and they're like, "But their songs are like eighteen minutes long," and I'm like, "I know." Not not a problem. Okay, sell me on Mars Volta because I feel like they would be my shit. I just have never listened to them or know where to start. All right. So, uh, are you familiar with the members of that Mars of the Mars Volta? I am not. No. Okay. Uh, I know that men are from Mars and Voltas are from Venus. Exactly. Um, no, have you ever listened to At the Drive-In? Uh, no. All right. So At the Drive-In is a hardcore band from El Paso that I absolutely adored. But two of the members of it um, wanted to take uh, – because the band wanted to, like, stick to hardcore. Uh, the two members of the Mars Volta wanted to go in a bunch of different genre directions, specifically, like – I want to say like a little prog math Rocky with like elements of hardcore and honestly like some weird horror scape sounds. Sure. Um, so like King Gizzard? I, I would King say. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizardy? Uh, I would say some elements of that along with the fact that like also they're both Latino. So. Oh, sure. Very frequently they also take like terrifying Latin iconography into it or like change like they, they can go from like singing a song Latino in Spanish. Promise. Right? They could do like like 
prog rock shit in Spanish, and then it suddenly switched to like a creepy whispered tango, and then back to the original. Um, you had me at creepy whispered tango. Yeah, Mars Volta. I adore them a lot. I feel like people that are willing to like listen to songs that last the entirety of like a TED talk will be like willing to listen to the Mars Volta. Um, but also it's like listening to two dudes who I frequently feel like their brains are like bigger than everything that they want to accomplish. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was always sort of the vibe I got from, from those guys is like, this seems like it's really smart and also like a huge sort of, like you really have to pay attention to this. And for whatever reason, when they sort of popped, when I was in, in high school, I was way too deep in the jam band world to sort of, uh, have the time to latch on to them but they always they always fascinated me as a concept they fascinated you as a concept (laughs) they seem like my shit but speaking of uh speaking of mars (laughs) volta why don't we move on to the marzipan youtube (laughs) that was a rough that was rougher than usual i had marzipan but i did not have a second half of that transition and you know what that's fine yeah big transition get stuck Big transition do get stuck every week on this show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big transition gets stuck. Uh, almost as rough as like actual marzipan is. I don't know if you've tried it, but it tastes like glue. Ugh. I don't know if I've actually ever had marzipan. It's not great. If it, yeah, it's it can be chalky and weird, and it's really good for holding shit together, which is like what it's designed for. Yeah, from a baking standpoint. So this is what like a, like a peep made out of Necco wafer. No, it's harder. It's, it's almond. Basically, just oh, okay. pure like it's just pure almond and sugar. Um, which sounds like it would be good, but yeah. like the consistency is bad in your mouth. Mm. It's not the taste. Hmm. Yeah, it's not the taste. It's the consistency. Yeah, it's sure. not great. But gotcha. um, well, I'm just glad she broke up with Homestar Runner. So tasting you too. Yes. So especially this last year in pandemic, um, I feel like. Sometimes my brain is so full of bees that I can't even watch like an actual thing. Sure. Um, And like, even when it's like something that I love or like something for work, because a lot of what my day to day is, is like pop culture journalism. Um, I just won't have the bandwidth to even like take in something good or new combined with the fact that like, I, one of my favorite things to do with my free time is travel and try new foods because I feel like just anywhere that I go eating is like the quickest way to like finding out what an area is about. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's just, it's beautiful. Like a plate of noodles can tell you like who they were conquered by and how they recovered from it. And, uh, so like, that's been like a big gaping hole in my life. And I found this, like, genre of YouTube, which isn't – I'm not a stranger to, like, specific genres of YouTube because I used to listen to, like, ASMR, a lady with nails tapping on a lunchbox to make me fall asleep. Um, And this was people who would have, like, GoPros or handy cams, and they would travel to places and try different foods, but they, like, don't talk. They, like, have captioning or they, like, you know, like, nod or smile at the camera, but they don't talk. So it, like, took away that level of, like, YouTuber host that I couldn't stand of, like, (laughs) hey, YouTube. Um, Oh, my God. It's so epically delicious. Yeah, because, like, there'd be a lot of travel videos like that, but it was either, like, a lot of that or they would, like, talk over it to where I was just, like, finding myself muting it and being, like, I just want to look at the thing. 
Yep. And uh, there's one particular channel that I got into, which was called Dancing Bacons. Um, my favorite of like the two silent travelers that like will go to like uh, everything from like a nice restaurant to a convenience store and like get as much stuff as they can and just like unwrap it and open it and try it. So it like puts me in the driver's seat of experiencing something new. Sure. Yeah. Um, but Dancing Bacons is my favorite. And for the longest time, my uh, husband and I could not figure out because Dancing Bacons has a girlfriend, but we like didn't know like is Dancing Bacons like a man or a woman or a friend or a sibling, and we think they might be lesbians. We're not sure yet. Um, we've been like looking in reflections to be like, who are you? Because that's how much the host that's like who we are exactly. Because sure. <laughs> I'm like, I want to know. Um, and because also like it's the probably host just like the deep throat guy, right? It's just deep throat. Um. But got to use that throat for something. Why not food? Putting food in it, putting ramen in it, uh, uh, trying uh, different bagels at Disneyland. Um, But yeah, it's like filled that traveling part in me. But also there's so many episodes where they're like in convenience stores and stuff like that, that it also fills that part of me that just wants to be like stoned at a 7-Eleven and being like, ew, they make spicy gushers now i, I want one exactly because yeah. there's a lot of snacks like that where you like go to singapore and it's like ooh, fried tiny crabs dipped in honey give me that yeah um or like a crab kit kat exactly and like it's both an earnest love and a slightly nihilistic love oh absolutely because, like, the earnestness in, is in that, like, you know, these are people that just, like, like traveling and they don't want to host anything, but they want to, like, share the experience. And the slightly nihilistic end is that, like, my two favorite writers on, like, food or travel are dead. Like, m- like Anthony Bourdain and Jonathan Gold are gone. I was going to say R.I.P. Jonathan Gold, right? R.I.P. Jonathan Gold. Like, I, pardon the pun, but, like, devoured everything that he wrote. I got his 101 list every year. Like... The man is the only person that's ever won a Pulitzer for food writing. I saw the adorable little art you have of him that you just put up. Thank you. I just put it in my kitchen, um, which automatically makes my kitchen a thousand times cuter. Um, He's next to a portrait of Julia Child because ever since I was a child, food people have been like my heroes. Wait, who is this again? Um, Oh, Jonathan Gold. He was the uh, food critic at the LA Times forever. Oh yeah, he 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 passed recently, didn't he? Last year, a couple years ago, maybe. He a couple years ago, he passed a couple years ago, and before he was actually a food critic at the LA Times, um, he also wrote about music, and he's also a big reason why uh, NWA and a lot of like the music scene in Long Beach, like with Snoop Dogg, got as much press coverage as it did, and like earnest write ups as it did, because he's also a very passionate hip hop fan. Oh, cool! Hell yeah! Good for you, Jonathan Gold. Nobody expects that from you, and I love that. Right. And the thing is, nobody expects any. Nobody expects anything that Jonathan Gold brings to the table. <laughs> um, but he was just a deeply like passionate person that uh, gave everything the same amount of weight that like even a Yelper won't do now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So he's like the Lester Bangs of food. Yes, like yeah. a taco truck had the same weight as a five-star Michelin place. Oh, hell yeah, as it fucking should be. He was the perfect kind of reviewer for L.A. because the the easy thing to do with L.A. is to, like, discount the fact that 
LA is a weird food city, basically. Yep. LA is a very weird food city because, like, when you go to New York, all of the discourse is around like high-end restaurants and and places that you go in to sit down to. Nobody's mm-hmm. reviewing, you know, the white sauce, red sauce guy, despite the fact that he is great. Uh, but in LA, food culture is like so much more. Not to be like. I don't know, but like LA food culture is so much more like quote unquote like of the streets in that like some of the like best food in LA you get off a truck. Yeah, and like he described it in the best way possible where he's like, you talk about these other cities and you refer to them as melting pots and Los Angeles isn't a melting pot, it's a mosaic and that every single space is this beautiful preservation of exactly what it is. It doesn't bleed into each other because it's like big and vast enough that all of these like different cultures and different immigrants can like have their own towns where you can get like the most authentic version of something outside of being there yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can get like the best Korean food outside of Korea. You can get the best Ethiopian food outside of Ethiopia. And so he like really wrote about like what that mosaic was and, uh, you know, how these places like blend together, but also the people behind it, because like some of his writing around the times of like both like just riots and like financial instability was beautiful. And, um a lot of these people that like had me growing up like really falling in love with like food not just being something that you eat but a way of like learning to like love your community and love the hands that make it and uh learn about the people around you and like be invited to the table so to speak aren't around anymore i've i've like lost all of them and any of the ones that are around now are usually like i ate a really big donut um or like along the lines of just like how quickly and stupidly can i eat all of this into like a big mess um and i i don't have that like type of like journalism or experience anymore and instead of having like a hollow version of it on like travel channel or uh netflix i have these where they just don't say anything and i just get to look at it and like come up with the spaces in between for myself all right that's satisfying. I can see how that's satisfying. Yeah, it feels like, you know, it feels like an older man that, like, lost his wife of many years, but he, like, still enjoys hanging around at, like, clubs and, like, getting lap dances, where it's just, like, <laughs> I- I'm enjoying my time, I'm getting my food lap dances, my, like, my betrothed's are gone. <laughs> and now I just exist in, like, the food-tasting champagne room. Hell yes. Uh, champagne room gets stuck. Exactly. <laughs> Everything gets stuck. Everyone's stuck all the time. So how did how did you find your way to uh, getting really into like YouTube food videos? Like, was it just through like Jonathan Golden stuff like that, or uh, just kind of connected to the ASMR? I think it was like a mix of both, um, because like with like the Jonathan Golden Bourdain stuff, I like I, the closest like host I found that I liked, and he's not even like a prolific dude. He's just a sweet, goofy dude is the guy uh, the phil uh he uh created uh everybody uh oh, loves right oh uh, uh phil rosenthal phil rosenthal yeah he on somebody and, feed phil he yeah he came and talked to my grad school class and was like the nicest guy he's such a peach and like while he's like not as prolific as those dudes he's like fun to watch yeah um and he like just has such a like delightful eagerness to like learn uh, that he's probably the one that I'd like watch now, but I like ran out of that pretty quickly at the top of the pandemic. 
And it was through searching on YouTube. It wasn't even like through the ASMR stuff. It was just looking at places that I wanted to go or that I missed. Um, Oh, I know exactly what it was actually. My husband was talking about how he's been meaning to take me to Thailand because he lived there for a few years. And he like wanted to show me all the night markets that he went to and the places that he used to go to. And he was like, I don't know, maybe there's like a video of somebody doing like a news report or something on YouTube. And he typed in the name of this like obscure mark night market in Isan and up popped up somebody like walking around this market, buying every single thing of street food and like, you know, filming each one closely and it like hit that place where he was like, oh my God, that's the stand where I used to do X and that's where I used to do da da da. And we clicked on their channel and he had listings of like places that we had been or places that we wanted to go. So it kind of like tapped into that voyeur in our heads of like, oh, it's like we're traveling, but through this person's eyes. Absolutely. I think that's that's a lot of the same appeal of like, I wind up watching a lot of like, theme park videos like mm -hmm. b either walkthroughs or uh you know uh like pov videos of roller coasters and, and log flumes and, and stuff and it it does do a really good job of showing like how someone else navigates a space mm -hmm. <laughs> um but like i the fact that a lot of these people don't use uh voiceover sounds so much better than uh theme park youtube because theme park youtube is all about people just going like oh no oh whoa loop whoa it's a lot of them making like oh my god face at the camera yeah, yeah. there's one guy it's the socal attractions 360 guy who will only mm -hmm. the only thing he will say is oh crap and that's on like the smallest drop possible or like king Daka. Exactly. To where it's almost like distracting from the experience where you're just like, I'm mostly just like annoyed with your performance. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, I here's the thing with me. Um, I will watch almost everything without sound. Uh, and it's well documented for me when people send me videos. I'm like, I if I watched it, I didn't watch it with the sound on. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Because I, I watch so many things on my phone, and if my phone ever makes a noise, I'll throw it across the rim. Um, <laughs> yep. So, like, a lot of these things, he'll be like, oh, yeah, don't worry about the audio. And I'm like, oh, I didn't watch it with the audio on. I'm sorry. Was I supposed to? <laughs> yeah, you, ha you have to, like, I, I have to text her audio on. If it doesn't have, if it doesn't have captions, I don't watch it. Yeah, if he wants me to hear the audio, he has to tell me because I either watched it with no audio or if it didn't have captions, I just gave up and pretended I watched it and waited like two minutes and then wrote back like, LOL, and pretended I watched it. <laughs> yup. So what uh, what sort of foods uh, are, are you into watching? Um, I would say prob... Okay, so it's not even the ones where it's like he goes to like a restaurant or street food, which are like arguably the best ones or like... There's a lot of, like, interesting concept recipe, uh, restaurants in, like, Singapore or Japan that he would go to where it's, like, this one's automated. This one's somewhere that you, like, eat completely alone. This is, like, a vending machine restaurant. I can um, fuck with an automat. Yeah, there's a lot of automats in Singapore. So, like, those ones are fantastic or just, like, these, like, really cool concept things that, like, most, like, most executives in the United States are cowards that would, like, never, like, see through um and just have like whatever homogenized like version of like chipotle times 
10 that we yeah. have now um, exist over there. So those are like pretty fascinating to see. There's one where it was like a salmon vending machine. Whoa. Um, like li- live salmon or? No, you can get it like roasted salmon or you can get like frozen sashimi. That's like a really good quality that would like thaw by the time you get home. Because there are definitely vending machines in Japan that have live crabs in them that yeah. are in like these little cases and like deep frozen. So they're like kind of just in stasis. Yeah. Or there'd be ones where uh, they're like vending machine parks kind of like are like roadside stops, except they like cook a pizza in the vending machine or like uh, yes. like cook your food in the thing. But my favorite ones, um, because I think this has also been like my depression food when I've been in quarantine has been all of the ones where it's like just add hot water. Well, he'll get like 30 different kinds of like hot noodle or like something that like microwaves fairly quickly, but just the quality is better because again, (laughs) like if you look up the flavors of chips in any country that isn't ours, they're better. Oh, they're so much fuckier. Yeah. Like even just going to Canada, like a, like a Canadian, uh, convenience store, has so much better like microwavable and like easy snacks than we do here because oh, yeah. here it's like here it's it's you get you get a hot pocket or you get chicken ramen uh uh fuck you eat your slop in bed and everywhere else like tends to get kind of fancy with it um because convenience shouldn't be a punishment nope and nope, uh nope, nope. so like a lot of those are my particular favorite ones. I think just because it's just like, damn, that does look pretty great. And it's three minutes. I could totally do that when I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah. Um, so it'd be a combination of those or the vending machine ones, because ever since I was a kid, I've been obsessed with like automats or vending machines. Me too. I, I, there was he a vending. very there was into an- the idea of an automat. Oh yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was an automat in like, uh, like somewhere down in the village. Uh, I'm blanking uh, in St. Mark's. There was a, there was an automat in St. Mark's that was open for like a year when I was in college. And I saw it one night as I was walking back to like the subway to go back to the Metro, uh, to, to Westchester. And I was like, I, I, it was too late or like, I didn't have money or something, but I was like, Ooh, an automat. I know where this is. I will come back. And then it closed. And it's just felt like this weird, like beautiful oasis memory. <laughs> Ever since you've just been like, I missed my moment. Like it was like purple and it was like purple and pink and like neon and like it was on that that block in St. Mark's with like St. Mark's comics and like just like the most fucking like New York City block down there. Uh, and it uh, it was too too pure and good for this world. Aw, amazing. <laughs> and, and like I'm fascinated by the vending machine culture in a, in other. In other countries, too. Like, it's so it's so wild to think that, like, the craziest vending machines we have are the ones where, like, it spits your Diet Pepsi out onto a little conveyor belt that it then drops your drink into. Whereas, like, elsewhere, they're making pizza, they're making French fries. God, it's it's so I, I wish we were as, like, tech forward about shit like that as as uh, other countries were. Yeah, I think it's also just because, like. Anybody in like a higher position to like green light anything, um, and this is one of those things where it's like this is the rule, not the exception, um, is a boring coward, mm-hmm. and they got their jobs by being a boring coward. Mm-hmm. And I mostly work in like entertainment, but like every job I've ever had where the person at the highest level has like a sign off as to whether or not something lives or dies is a boring coward, and it's 
pretty much the same across the board in like advertising or like product creation where they somehow assume the average audience is spectacularly stupid, but also like brilliant at, uh, able to like call out every single little, uh, I don't know whether it be like a piece of media or a product, like tiny error that otherwise would not bother them. God, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they infantilize, but at the same time, like, overestimate most of their, like, audiences and consumers. So they're afraid to do anything else other than, like, what they know to be the norm. They don't want to, like, move in any other direction, which is why you'll look at, like, things in other countries and be like, damn, why are they, like, getting these, like, amazing flavors of X? Why are they getting, like, these amazing pieces of media or video games or uh vending machines or whatever it may be and that's just because here somebody would be like no they wouldn't be able to understand that or uh you know they they would see like a complication with da 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 and they wouldn't be down with it and just it's yeah, it's no, just one guy um, Americans yeah. are terrible yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's just it's true absolute worst you're a you're a Simpsons person right big time uh have you checked into uh Bill Oakley's uh YouTube and Instagram I have not uh, Bill Oakley uh, was, uh, I believe, an executive producer on Simpsons for a few years, if not a uh, uh, like longtime writer during like the golden age. It was him and Josh Weinstein were a uh, mm-hmm. were a pair, and then they went on to do like Mission Hill and uh, some other stuff. God, like I that. love Mission Hill. Mission, oh, Mission Hill's so fucking the art style in Mission Hill. God, I could talk about Mission Hill for an hour. <laughs> They're bringing it back. Did you know that? No, really. They, uh, sort of they're they're doing they're working on a they've been a little cagey of if it's like a like a full-on like sequel series or like reboot or whatever but i think it's going to focus on the two older guys like the uh-huh. like i think they're like the the gay landlords or something like that yeah um it's going to focus more on them i think but it's it's still going to be a period piece for the early 2000s that's incredible. And Beth, uh, Mission Hill feels like beatnik for l- the millennial era. Yeah. Okay. That didn't help me, but thank you. It was one of, in the early I don't know kind beatnik of- beatnik is either, other than a uh, movement. <laughs> in the early kind of adult swim years- The, the thing uh, to know about me is that references to other pieces of media won't help because I've seen <laughs> nothing. Brandon will explain it to me later in terms I understand. It's fine. Gotcha. The, the, the early kind of adult swim years were equally populated with like- original stuff like space ghost and uh aqua teen that kind of like let's low low lo-fi like let's reuse old animation kind of stuff and then they would buy a lot of animated shows that got canceled on like generally like upn or wb like like baby blues or the oblongs and mission hill was one of those that ran for like three weeks when it aired um because it was i think the first show about hipsters but um uh, bill oakley for years now has been doing like fast food videos on his (gasps) instagram and his uh I, th- I think he's YouTube. Um, and they started off kind of like they were, there was like a bit to all of them and there still sort of is, but he's, he's become like a really like kind of powerful voice in the sort of fast food as for lack of a better word, art conversation. Mm-hmm. And like all of his videos are just him like, Hey, I'm here at, you know, Wendy's to try the fuckiest thing they have on the menu now. And like giving like an actual, like, like honest like solid review of it uh, like as if it wasn't from wendy's 
and mm-hmm. because of him, I've uh, among other things, I've been looking for all dressed chips from Canada for ages. I've been they're looking worth for some, it. I that's why I've heard they're fucking amazing. I just have not. I don't want to pay a bunch of international shipping to get some to get some chips, but at the same time, I do. I will go in on chips with you. Oh fuck. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll DM you after this, and we're gonna buy like fifty dollars worth of international chips. I just went in on bagels from Montreal with a friend, so I am, like, down to do this. I saw those. I saw Ethan sent you bagels. I was so mad. I was so jealous. Oh, my God. If you guys – I have more than I can eat, so if you guys ever want a fancy Montreal bagel, I have them. All I ever want is bagels. Brandon's not a huge bagel fan. Um, I'm more of a biscuit boy. Uh, Which means that when he ate my last bagel last week, that was very rude of him. It was. Um, It was, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's fine. But he's not a big bagel person. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's. I'm from the Northeast and like bagels are our thing. Yeah. Uh, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're real big on them and maybe they're just not as much of a thing in North Carolina. Not, not enough really. juice. No, no yeah, not <laughs> nearly enough juice. But, yeah, uh, my husband's from yeah. Colorado and he has no interest in bagels either. Yeah. Well, th- he's wrong. Just like he's wrong. wrong but... Do you know why these bagels are fancy, Beth? No, why? Okay. Normally so, it's the water. Normally, normally it's the water. Everybody's all about the water. Yeah. Oh, no. The texture of these are, like, unreal. Like, I, like, so I've seen them in, like, many different food travel shows where, like, and these are, like, dudes whose palates I, like, adore and respect. And then they have a bite of this fucking bagel with nothing on it. And then they lose their minds. And I was like, what is the point? And so I've been wanting to try a bagel from this place in Montreal forever. And the reason theirs are special is, uh... You know how, like, before they go in the oven, they have to be, like, parboiled to get the texture that they have? So they parboil them in a honey water mixture. Oh. So it is the water. So it is the water. And then they don't bake them in, like, a standard oven. They have a wood-fired oven that after they, like, cover them in the sesame seeds after they've been boiled in the honey water mixture, they go in the wood-fired oven and they take in all of the amazing smells of this wood-fired oven. But it also gets this, like, fantastic, like, crackly texture on the outside that's, like, unreal. Um, And I'd been wanting one for an eternity. I opened the box, and I immediately was hit in the face with the smell of, like, the wood-fired oven and the sweetness. Had a bite of this bagel and lost my fucking mind. I (laughs) don't know what I'm going to do when I eventually run out. Oh, no. God, that sounds really amazing. (laughs) That sounds so good. They're so good. Wow. God, that rules. Yeah, these Montreal bagels have, like, fucked me up. I was like, man, I, like... It's going to be okay if I'm underwhelmed because, like, maybe it's, like, better, you know, like, fresh out the oven or something. And then I had a bite and I was like, nope, they're amazing and now I'm ruined for other bagels. That's, like, how we recently discovered Tillamook makes um, cheddar cream cheese. and What? Just it for me. Yeah, they sell it at the Albertsons near us and it's fucking good. Give me the address of this Albertsons. Right? (laughs) It's It's, it's the one in Los Feliz. You've probably seen it. All right. I'm making it it happen. We discovered uh, Tillamook makes like cheddar cream cheese spread, and it is so good. They basically just melted the a bagel block of Tillamook becomes, and put it in the fridge. Yeah, it rules. Yeah, it's it's the bagel just becomes a vehicle for this cream cheese. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Um, but the the one the one thing I learned from uh, Bill Oakley's food YouTube that I that I will uh, pass along to our audience is the best food, the best fast food sandwich at the moment, and perhaps of the last good chunk of time is the King's Hawaiian fish sandwich 
from Arby's of all fucking places. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's real into it. It's like three times a week he'll be like, "I'm just gonna go to Arby's." I think it's I'm just gonna go get a fish yeah, it's, with some Arby's. It's become like a like a legitimate problem how often I have this thing, but like it is so it's so good. It comes on like a King's Hawaiian roll, uh, with like a little bit of like I think some like a little bit of coleslaw on there, some cheese. It's so it's so good, and the fact that it's from Arby's of all places that like Arby's nailed fish. Actually, you know what? The Arby's uh, buffalo chicken sliders also slap. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're kind of the only thing I've ever had from Arby's, though. However, I was severely disappointed in their mac and cheese. I was so sad. Ugh, yeah, their mac and cheese wasn't good. The Arby's yeah, are, like, low-key rips. <laughs> My, like, Arby's version of thing that I go to in Los Angeles is a place called uh, Top Round Roast Beef. Oh, yeah, I love oh, Top Round. Oh, yeah. Uh, specifically the thing that I get, like, obviously everything on the menu, because I'm also just, like, I'm a big horseradish slut. Like, anything that's, like, <laughs> horseradish or wasabi, anything that, like, fucks up your sinuses, I'm like, that's my jam. <laughs> and, like, it's, Top Round, like, really, really lets you have it when you're like, can I get a little bit more extra? Because they, like, grate that shit on there. Uh, oh, where it's yeah. like, I want you to hurt me, and then they will. Ooh, you have fun with that. Uh, I want... <laughs> My best friend once she fucking lost it because I had something I, I don't know what I thought it was, but I like dipped something in the horseradish and I got so much of it and I was just like losing it. I like spit half of it out and was like, I've made such a mistake. <laughs> I dipped it in the wrong thing. Or you just like feel it in your brain. I was just oh, I wanted to die. Meanwhile though, like, um you can put when I go to like uh like a build your own pizza place, I tell them to take as much garlic as they think is uh like humanly appropriate and then add more. So yep. there are certain things where I'm like, hey, fuck me up, fam. Yeah. I'm the same with sprinkles. <laughs> if you take me to like a yogurt place or an ice cream place, I'm like, okay, you're gonna think the amount of sprinkles you're putting on there is absurd. Keep going. Do not Just stop. Do more. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> the thing that like I I like can't not leave without when I go is uh, the Elvis. I get it as a concrete instead of a Sunday, mm. um, because it's roasted peanuts, banana, oh, bits yeah. of chocolate. Is that it? Is that all that goes into it? I think it might be. It's it's kind of like a banana pudding. Well, almost. I mean, an Elvis. So hold on. If you're basing it on an Elvis sandwich, then yes, that would be it. And it's just that there's chocolate instead of bacon. However, I would eat it with bacon. I would 100 percent eat it with bacon. But I think they substituted chocolate to be like yes, smart about what would work in ice cream. But chocolate banana peanut butter is my favorite kind of milkshake. Yes, mine too. And I get it as the concrete. And like, I don't know what it is but like the combination of the things and then like eating it outside of a stand i like i'm six i'm six again like it's it's just it feels so much like a summer treat that my parents got me to shut me up uh that like <laughs> anytime i have one i'm just like hell yeah i made a lot of noise and then i got this <laughs> and like the the vibe of the of the top round in la is is very like it's very 70s la it's very like Sort of has the same kind of like in and out burger vibe. Uh-huh. Like it feels like just this weird little like shack off of what what is it on La Cienega or something like that? Yeah. I used a, a friend of mine that I used to go, you know, smoke a lot of weed with, uh, lived nearby and I would go out of my way to stop at Top Round on on the on the drive home. Cause one time I I saw it, I'm like Ooh, top round. That sounds like that would be pretty good. And then stopped the next, but it was closed because uh, it was like two in the morning. And then I, the next time I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm going to do this every time. Hell yeah. <laughs> Real good. 
Um, so are, are there any other uh, like f- uh, food YouTubers or anything else that you that you would like to cover? I mean, we did Danzig Bacons, which is like. And is it sorry? Is it like D- Danzig, like D A N Z I? I, I want to make sure I can find it and people can find it. Like dancing, because I think it's a parody off of like when you like dry your hands the the animation that like shows you how on the outside of the hand dryer like the blow kind looks like dancing bacons oh okay Okay. yeah so uh but it's dancing bacons and then in terms of like the ones for cooking because cooking is the other way that i've like gotten through this pandemic um i got a grill and then i just grilled everything for like a week uh yeah oh they just got a new grill in our courtyard i can't wait to use yes oh it's the best Uh, this like the best part about grilling is when you like don't really want to do anything with food it's like ooh, it feels fancy and i didn't actually work that hard exactly yeah we haven't had a new grill here in like five years so it's like i'm like i gotta get in there now before it's shitty because nobody cleans it None of my neighbors fucking clean it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Communal grill. Especially they just like let shit get sticky. Blech. Oh, yeah. Um, Though I, I, it would be pretty good if Glenn Danzig and the Bacon Brothers had a food YouTube. I would right? watch that. I would watch it way more than anything Glenn Danzig actually directs. Yeah, or or, or, the, or that either Bacon is involved in, frankly. Exactly. Um, in terms of cooking ones, I think my three favorites. One is an idea that I actually had before they executed it but i never did anything about it so it was like it wasn't even like a like a this isn't me being like i had a sketch online that three people saw and i think snl saw it stole it this is like i wrote it down in a notebook and then someone else happened to like have the idea but they did it better yeah um and it was thought exactly it was uh binging with babish Mm. uh I'd like initially wrote down a cookbook where I'd like been trying to find out recipes from movies because those are like two of my favorite things. And he just does it. And he's also like an amazing chef. So they come out like exquisite. Um, But he also does like tutorials, which are great for like just basics that you want to learn at home. They're all very good. Another one that's like an eccentric one is called Cooking with Dog. And it's a poodle and a lady that teach you traditional Japanese dishes. The poodle's name is Maurice. Okay. Um, Excellent. Uh, Maurice uh, has a guy doing V over him as he like gives instructions to the lady, um, and she's just like this nice little auntie that the poodle will be like sitting on his little place on the counter and be like, "Hello, today we're gonna make chawan mushi," uh, and then like walks her through it as like trilling piano music plays. So cooking with dog is amazing, and it, it's one of the most comforting things in the world. Oh, that's so good. That sounds incredible. I love cooking with dog. That's like, have you ever on YouTube? Do you follow Glenn Cat? No, what's that? No, sorry, not YouTube. On Instagram, I follow Glenn Cat, and um, they're not like tutorials, but they are very sweet. Uh, it's, it's this big poofy boy, very big, very oh poofy, my very luxurious cat, and he just sits on the counter in the corner and like watches while his mom makes food. Um, and has to like sniff everything and it's very cute and they're all just like set to little music or that's like yesterday we discovered a uh a ferret account on instagram that's just i was about i was about to say talk about the ferret yeah floof noodles <laughs> it's called floof noodles and it's just this woman who like makes a bunch of food while like puppeting her parrot uh puppeting her ferrets or like doing sketches with her ferrets based around food yeah. They're really funny. They're very yeah. cute. Like her ferret will have like a little chef's hat and it'll be that, that kind of TikTok thing where it'll just like smash cut from like each step of, of a recipe. Yeah. So they're not exactly tutorials, but they're very satisfying. And she like kind of basically just like hides a little bit below the table and just has the this uh, ferret just like 
chilling there, kind of like dancing back and forth with a little chef's hat on. And it's Very so good. good. I'm immediately looking that up after. Please it's do. so good. I mean, I will say if there's one that's just like stuff that you want to learn that's quick and easy. Like if you've been in like a food rut and you're like, I want to be able to like learn how to cook something where I only need five things in my fridge, but I can make it into anything. Uh, there's a channel called Marion's Kitchen and she does Thai food and Thai fusion food. And the beauty of Thai food is Thai food. Um, it's something that I've like started to make more for when like uh, my like husband gets nostalgic for like when he lived over there. Um, but once you have like a few base things in your fridge, like oyster sauce, lemon juice, Thai bird chilies, whatever, you can kind of always make something Thai once you like learn the fundamentals of it. Um, and it's also a way to like trick yourself to have more vegetables because a lot of them just have like a serving of like leafy greens or like a pickled veggie or something with it. So Marion's Kitchen is amazing. And she does like these fucked up like Thai fusion pastas that every time I'm like really high, that's exactly what I'm craving where it's oh, just like, yeah. Oh, like the chili crisp that they gave me with my Chinese food and peanut butter and garlic. And then somehow I make like a sauce out of that. Amazing. Yes. Yes. Well, now I am thoroughly, uh, thoroughly fucking hungry yeah, now that we made now that we both made that choice to have not eaten before we did this show uh. yep uh so if if uh people wanted to find more uh vanessa guerrero content on their internet how could they do that <laughs> um well if you want to read my writing i have some stuff on fangoria online as well as uh in the last two issues i believe of the publication i didn't um, know fangoria was still uh an actual yeah, magazine it's still a oh that magazine. rad that's rad yeah it's it's a little bit closer to like a coffee table book now mm, um sure. uh but so it's like a it's a little you can find them at barnes and noble now if you don't uh subscribe to it but they're like a little bit thicker now and uh they feel a little bit more like a collectible um so sure uh, I have stuff on there. I also have the Kicking and Screaming podcast where we pair horror movies and martial arts movies together. Because um, if you like one, chances are you're going to like the other one. And so each week, one of us picks one and challenges the other one to come up with a double feature. Ooh. It's so like this week I picked uh, Leatherface, uh, the third Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. And my husband paired it with uh, Human Lanterns, which is a Shaw Brothers kung fu movie in which a man is turning people's skin into lanterns so like we'll like find threads for the double features themselves that we think would go good together um and and then we make up like ridiculous snacks that you would have add said double features uh because we wanted to like bring the drive it or even like the double feature feeling of like going to see a movie and talking about it after as a podcast yeah that's so good that sounds that sounds so rad thank you have you have you all uh hit up any uh drive-ins this year so many, uh, yeah. <laughs> as many as we can. And then we've also, whenever we can, um, and like split it with like a friend or two doing the AMC private rentals. How, how, how is that? We haven't, we haven't done it yet. Okay. I can't recommend it enough. Like I can't recommend it enough. You legitimately get the entire theater to yourself. Huh? I didn't even know that was a thing. You pay a hundred dollars and you pick one of the movies that they have because the new releases are really expensive. So I just do the hundred dollar ones because that feels like a splurge that's worth it to me. And they're generally like kind of classics, right? Yeah. They're generally like classics. Like I got one for Scream that I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, oh, I just shit, did one rules. for Indiana Jones. Um, and you get the entire theater to yourself. It's just a private theater rental for the entirety of your movie. And that so rules. you like actually get to be comfortable 
out watching a movie, but also like when will you ever in history get a theater rental that cheap ever other than like right now because it's something that like you know they need to do to be able to like stay open um so i i cannot recommend private theaters uh enough uh because we don't know how long that's gonna last yeah i didn't even know that was a thing so there you go yeah a lot of theaters are doing it for a hundred dollars amc cinemark um i know some alamo draft houses are doing it for like 150 and it's like i think the most now you're speaking brandon's language exactly And I think the the most that you could bring in is like 15 people, but like I've gone with just like two to four people that are like, we're all vaccinated and in the same pod. So then it just feels like you rent big screen just for you. Oh, nice. that whips. That's Brandon's so guaranteed good. already on the Alamo website. Oh, I, I've, <laughs> nerds I've, love, I've y'all nerds love nothing more than a movie theater with a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> history has proven if there aren't rules in a movie theater, it's chaos. Utter chaos. Bedlam, I say. You just got mad at those teens who were making noise during Anchorman Two. Yeah, I never did. Never seen a man, never seen a man so angry at a group of teens as Brandon was <laughs> angry. I've been looking forward to that movie for a decade, making, and they wouldn't shut up about it. They were mostly just making like rapper and food noises. It wasn't like they were talking. They were. They were. They were also making. Comments. They were laughing. They were enjoying the movie, and Brandon couldn't hear John C. Riley making Civil War ghost jokes, and he got so <laughs> mad. He was like a 24-year-old man in a movie theater, furious at a bunch of teens. <laughs> oh, oh say God. it like that, I sound stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We went to go see Harley Quinn, and people kept talking through the whole movie, and mm. my husband stood up and shushed him, and I was like, fuck, I'm going to marry him. Like, <laughs> yeah, we saw that at the Alamo, so that was not a. You um, did, yeah. I saw Sonic at the Alamo, and it whipped. I did. The only time I ever reprimanded someone in a movie theater was we were. It was the beginning of Casino Royale, actually. So this was like forever ago. Um, we were watching Casino Royale, and like the opening scene was happening, and the dude behind me, and this was still in the days of flip phones, because I remember him like flipping it closed after I yelled at him. His phone uh, rang, and he fucking answered it. No. After yeah, after they'd talked through like the whole previews and we were so annoyed, but we were like, it's just the previews. Maybe they'll shut up when the movie starts. I'm not going to say anything yet, you know, because like, y- y- it's fine. Like, it's y- you got to hope. And then uh, they were they they quieted down and they finally stopped talking. Cool. Great. Whatever. And then his phone rings and he fucking answered it. And I whipped around and I went, are you fucking serious? And I've never seen a man hang a phone up so fast in my life. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you're sitting directly behind me i'd lose my shit yeah yep and all i had to do was go are you fucking serious and he just hung up didn't even say goodbye incredible i think it was shushing somebody at the movies that i did maybe the most manic thing that i've ever done in my entire life um because <laughs> like I, I like at the time was like terrified of confrontation um but i needed this man to shut up because he was doing that thing where he kept making like what he thought was a clever joke out loud after like every moment oh that would drive me crazy yeah and this was like we went to go see the last jedi for like christmas and uh it was like me and a friend and their family and like every time something would happen he'd be like oh why don't you buy me dinner first like that kind of thing oh fuck no there's a scene where like clearly it was like emotional and everybody's like getting emotional and it's like quiet and they're letting the scene played out and then someone dies and he goes 
that'll teach you. And I looked at him and I spiked my own drink to the ground while holding eye contact with him. Um, Because he was like sitting next to me and I was like, I couldn't do anything to his drink, but I could do something to mine. And I was like, I want you to know that I'm crazy and I need you to be quiet. So I just like looked at him and like spiked it to the ground and he just showed up for the rest of the movie while we all like sat in my soda water. Good Good. Good for you. I didn't even throw it at him. It was just enough to be like, I'm willing to do the next thing after this to make you quiet. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> we, for every episode of this show, I will take a random quote or something and throw it on as the like subtitle for the episode. <laughs> um, and this one is either going to be, I want you to know that I'm crazy and I need you to be quiet. <laughs> or I'm a big horseradish slut. I, either, either one. <laughs> either one I'm happy with also being on my headstone. Hell yes. Um, So speaking of uh, speaking of headstones, if you want to find more of my mess, uh, you are just like not on the transitions today. (laughs) You know, worse than usual. What what is Twitter but an ongoing, ever growing headstone? of of mortifying things you've said. Exactly. I delete my old tweets. Do you not? No. Oh no 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 no. I should. I probably should. But I haven't. I, I like once a year I'll go through and I'll have it delete anything more than like a year old. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, if you want to find more of my mess across the various uh, hell sites on which we live our lives, uh, I'm at Hell Yes Brandon across all of the stuff. Uh, Inkblot, uh, we've got some stuff on YouTube and SoundCloud, some our, our demo EP, some live stuff. We're uh, we're finally back in the saddle and uh, recording. Uh, or, or practicing regularly again, sort of in in prep for when gigs are are legal. Which, like, I don't know, maybe that'll be soon. This is the end of June. No, this is the end of May. Hopefully, I mean, we've all so we've already heard. For the, uh, there's a kind of shithole bar and grill called. <laughs> in the- <laughs> I know yep. it. Mm-hmm. The one fun thing about that place is when you're on stage, you can see uh, a minion in Hogwarts. Uh, which is kind of wild. Yeah, but... I was on stage once when a stabbing happened. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what? probably true, too. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sucks. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the one of the bookers that... Who had booked us a few times. Uh, we were booked on, on a show for him last year mm-hmm. on... March 13th or 14th. I don't remember the exact day, but uh, the day that... you didn't want to be at a dive bar that you're already taking your, you know, health into your hands by even going there. Yeah. A, d- a-, a day where you kind of didn't want to be anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, at like, like that was the day when like everything was finally announcing it was shutting down and, and, and the LA sort of had the, the vibe of, oh, we're actually fucking doing this. Okay, mm-hmm. shit. Um, yeah, they had just made the announcement that you couldn't have more than 50 people at a show. So you're like, what what are the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. We can't play to anybody. <laughs> but that guy, when we when we told him, hey, uh, we're not going to do this gig because uh, it's dangerous. He was like, well, ugh, you guys are banned for life. You're never going to play here again. Uh, he hit us up like two months later to try to play again and has and hit again. us up within the last like week. Yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> Uh, oh my god i almost want to know uh, after pod tell me who it is and if it's the same guy that i think it is uh i'll tell you about how i insulted him so hard i got all my friends banned from there oh shit string stringy long-haired guy named brian okay now this is a guy in the comedy end 
Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a guy in the comedy and uh, who, when he said something racist, I called him a Kermit the Frog ass bitch, and he banned all of my friends. <laughs> None of them are mad about it. Damn. You're only ever banned from a dive bar as long as the bouncer remembers. Exactly. <laughs> I know somebody who's been banned from three clubs multiple times because they just keep forgetting that he the staff changes and they keep forgetting he was banned and he just keeps going back. So, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so speaking of big bar get banned, uh, Beth, what about you? Hey, hey, I've only almost been banned at three clubs, but I wasn't. And it was Wait, an you accident. you were almost banned from three clubs? Yes. Oh, I remember the story. I, I remember the story. And it yeah. was an accident. I did something by accident that had I done it on purpose would have gotten me banned. But it was okay. so clearly an accident that they didn't kick me out. Yeah. <laughs> it was more that I was really clumsy. Got it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's not even like that big a secret. Like I accidentally dumped a glass of water back into the ice well. So they had to empty the whole ice well. Uh, um, but it was okay. also like a Wednesday and there wasn't anybody else there. And it was clearly like a joke that I had done poorly and was clumsy and then knocked my glass in. Yeah. Yeah. That's an accident. Um, so the bartender was very mad at me and was like, I would normally 86 you, but I know you didn't do that on purpose. But like. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, you can find me all over the internet at, at B scores with an underscore afterwards, B E E S C O R E S with an underscore. But the easiest way to find me is to follow the podcast online. You can follow us on Twitter at, at IntuitPod and on Instagram following the hashtag IntuitPod. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook if you get any mileage out of that. Uh, we are very proud to say that we are on the Indiesaurus network of shows. Uh, they've got a lot of great podcasts and um, streaming video shows available. Uh, stuff comes out almost every day of the week. Uh, if you want to check out their other shows, you can check them out at Indiesaurus.com. And that's I-N-D-I-E-Saurus.com. Thank you, as always, to Kalen West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving off off the album Falling is Like Flying. And that is all that I have. Hell, yes. Well, Vanessa, thank you uh, so much for joining us today to be a horseradish slut. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Um, We're almost definitely going to Arby's after this. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, all that being said, big podcast get ended. But a big bone, like the ones our forefathers said, having made it across the great ocean to our shore.